So, how many of you like to bowl? We've got a nice little bumper here for bowling, and happy new year. It's a first service for the new year. I'm happy that everyone's here. How many of you like to bowl or have been bowling before? It's kind of a, a fun pastime for you to go to. Well, I told you last week that we're starting a new message series at the beginning of the year, and this is the beginning of the year. We're going to be talking about guardrails, and this is just kind of the bumper for going into that, a little um, pun intended there. um, But I have a question for you as we get started into today's service. How is 2018 going to be different than 2017? Everybody has New Year's resolutions, and we talked about last week about goals and what to do and how to apply and how to change some things so 2018 looks different. If you didn't hear that message, you can go listen to it on our app or the podcast, you can, and I encourage you to do that because it's really cool and getting things propped up the right way. But I'm going to start off today with that question. How is 2018 going to look different? How is it going to be different than what you had in 2016? 2015, because if we keep doing the same things over and over again, we're going to get the same results. And again, I'm going back to last week's message. What are your goals that you had for 2018? And I do encourage you to grab one of these um, prayer request cards and fill them out and seal them up and put them in the basket up here. And when we have 21 days of prayer and we have regular prayer, we, we lay them all out here. Of course, they're sealed, so no one can read your private information. But we'll just pick that up and pray over that and just say, God, I thank you for this person and, and what they're doing. Lord, I ask you to accomplish that. And, and God says, you have not because you ask not. So we, he wants us to ask. So put those things down there. And I filled all the lines up. So tag, you guys can do it too. But now as we look at the, the illustration of bowling, and we're going to spend a lot of time in bowling this morning, if you, if you don't mind. Um, we see the setup here of the pins are all there, and, and there's, there's certainly skill that goes into this, though I've never reached that level of skill. Um, there is skill that goes in here, and I was watching some videos as I was preparing my message, and so many people are just, they can show you how these crazy ways to do it, and they hold the ball this way, and I saw this one guy, and he's like holding it this way, and he walks up there, and he just does this crazy thing, and it works for him. He, he knocks them all down every time, and then other people, you know, the guy says, well, you don't just... Put the ball on, right, on your thumb right away. You got to put it in slowly and then you got to hold it. Just hold it in your hand and let the, the ball. And all these crazy things they'll tell you how to do. But they're trying to tell you where to hit it. If you talk to some people, they're, they got this strategy and I got that strategy. And, and my, my strategy is to throw it really, really hard and maybe it'll knock everything down. But what's on either side of the goals? There's gutters. There's that place that when I don't know what I'm doing, my balls rolling down the alleyway usually ends up there. And I have this really interesting thought that it doesn't matter how old you are, how good you are at many other sports, when you first go to play, go to bowl, you've got to work at it. Because the floor is all polished, it's all slick, and there's this, this whole 
thing of strategy that goes in, into it. And you got this gutter on either side. Now, I don't know why they put that there. They could just easily put these big things up here so you don't ever do it and you're going to hit something. But no, there's gutters. And more often than I like, because I don't get to play, don't really want to play that often, but when I do, I usually end up in the gutter over and over again. And so as I began thinking about it, that guy that's really, really good, that has this crazy way of holding it, he can stand right beside me as I walk up to that line that you're going to get, if you get there too close, I can walk right up there, and he can stand here and go, okay, hold it like this, and I hold like this, and he does it, and I'm throwing, I'm going to end up in the gutter again. He can tell me over and over and over again, it's not until I experience and I walk through the practice of going through it that I'm going to learn it. I'm not going to hit it right the first time. It doesn't matter how good that person is, that's there, even how good of a teacher they are, the only way I'm going to hit my target is by practicing it and going on with it. I'm probably still going to end up in the gutter a lot. So then for the kids to help them not get discouraged, and I'm going to admit that I like to do this as well, they have the gutter guards that come up there and the bumper guards, and they just pop up, and they just completely cover over the gutter. So when you roll the ball down there, I'm sure you've all seen it, they cover it over, and, and you can't. I mean, it's just going to bounce back and forth, but you're going to stay out of the gutter, and it gives you more time to work on your goal. And I started thinking about it. Isn't that the way our life is? I can have some goals in my life. I can say, that's really where I want to hit in 2018. Man, I want to knock them all down. But if I'm honest, there are times that I end up in the gutter. That where I'm aiming here, somehow it ends up over here. And it just passes by the goal. And for some people, that may be what you would define 2017. Man, I thought it was going to be wonderful. But at the end of 2017, I'm so glad it's over because more often than not, all my efforts went right past my target and failed. If we're honest, sometimes if we put our lives in the analogy of, of bowling, we end up in the gutter. So, it doesn't really matter how hard we try, honestly, because the same way that I want to throw that ball with as much force and strength as I can, that I'm tired and pull muscles and all this other stuff when I do it, I don't knock them all down just because I throw it harder and harder and harder, and I end up crossing the line and all these other things. So, what is those gutter guards, those bumpers that can come across here, What are the guardrails that we would have in this analogy that would help us to hit our targets? Well, one of them I want to suggest to you is the things that we're doing. We're reading through the one-year Bible as a church. Before, we would tell you, hey, we're going to read through this book of the Bible this month. And everybody, we encourage you to try and do it. Well, we're doing something new this year, and we're reading through the one-year Bible. So today is the 7th of January. So in the one-year Bible, you open it up, and it says January 7th. It's like 15 minutes or 20 minutes, depending on how fast you read. And you can just read through, and it's really there. It's done. But as I'm doing this myself, I came upon Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. And it really, really just jumped out at me. I mean, there's so many, many things that jumped out to me reading the Bible every single day and and the way it's all laid out there. 
But this is a scripture that jumped out to me. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. It's this interlude. It means a stop. And like, hey, just pause for a second and think about what I just said. Now, let me pause for just a second. This is my story. This is what happened to me this week reading the one-year Bible. This jumped out at me. So I'm not trying to say this is your story. I'm not trying to say this is what you have to do. I'm not trying to even say you, hey, you don't sin. Because as you know, our byline for the church is a church with no rules and no judging. So I'm not trying to put a rule on you now and say, hey, now you got to do this. You can't sin. I'm talking about me. This is me, 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 me. So as I'm reading the one-year Bible, the Spirit of God is telling me, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Huh. So maybe one of my bumper guards for this year can be the two words that really jumped out of here. That is remain silent. That's hard, isn't it? And I got this analogy in my mind immediately of a courtroom. And I'm sure you've all seen a courtroom or you've watched CSI or Law and Order or something. If you've seen it, you're familiar with the whole concept that the judge is setting up here in this higher elevated place. And you've got this other table here for the defense and this other table over here for the prosecutor. And the prosecutor's over here saying how terrible a person this person is that's being defended, right? You, you following with me? So they're over here saying, and they did this, and then, then they did this, and they meant to do this, and sometimes they paint it out to be even worse. And you say, man, I did it. I'm guilty. But man, it isn't nearly as bad as what you're making it out to be. But that's their role is to be over here. So when you're sitting over here in that position, what do they tell you to do? Well, you know, on this day you said this. You say, no, I didn't say that, Your Honor. No, what do they want you to do in court? Remain silent. So they can tell all of this terrible stuff about you, inflate it, make it worse, maybe even lie, maybe it's not even true, you didn't do it at all, or maybe you did, but all of this stuff, your business is being brought out in front of everybody. And they want you to sit there and be quiet. Then it comes to be your turn, and Even in that, it's not when you stand up and say, no, 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 all that stuff she said, he said, no, 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 that's not true. They want you still to remain silent. Unless you're defending yourself, you have an attorney, an advocate that's for you, and they're just calm and cool and collected, and and they're just, they've got their little notes. You see them writing over here every now and then, and they'll stand up, and they'll debate, and they'll dispute, and they'll go back and forth with that. But I start thinking about, isn't that the way our life is? That we have so many people that are always so quick to point out the things that we do wrong. They're so quick to say, oh, you missed that. Oh, you should have done it. You should have been better at doing that. Oh, they always want to bring up everything you're doing wrong. And you're probably not like me. But my thought is immediately to get angry and to come back and start getting in this verbal thing. Oh, no, I'll show you. No, you're going to cut me off. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I'm going to get into this whole big thing. And yet I come back to Psalm 4 and it says, Don't sin. Letting anger control you. Remain silent. Hmm. It's a big alley for me. It's a big, 
oh my gosh, can I really do that? But I feel like I've got to defend myself. I've got to say, but I, I that, no, you got it all wrong. Or yeah, I made that mistake, but it's not as bad as what you think. I, I've got this whole thing going on that I want to do. In Psalms 18, chapter, chapter 18, verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I can take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He's being described here as that advocate for you, that lawyer for you, the one you can run and hide to and be quiet and say, God, I don't even understand this. I'm being falsely accused, and they don't understand. Where, it's not at all what it planned out. God, you know, because you know. You know everything. But you're who I'm going to be taking my refuge in. It's you that I'm going to trust. You are going to be my fortress. But the cool thing about this is that Psalms is actually a book of songs that was written by King David, and it's a worship song. We start off all of our services with worship, not to fill time for people who are running late, but it's actually a time for us to worship God and tell him how wonderful he is to us. And even in this, I want to add it to context. Verse 1, David says, I love you, O Lord. We just sang this song. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you because you first loved me. The previous song, I'm going to build my life upon you because I love you. And the only way I can even love you is because you first loved me. I can come here and say, Jesus, I love you. Because I'm taking my strength from you. And verse 2 goes into that. Because you're my fortress. That when I'm sitting here being accused and got all this stuff that's coming against me, I can just worship you. I can surrender. I can lift my hands and say, I surrender, God. I I don't know. And I've told you guys a story before about when I was facing a really, really difficult thing and overwhelming business things, and it it really could have gone really, really bad for me. And I'm going to a conference with my wife, and and I really couldn't even think about it. I'm really excited. My favorite um, speaker is going to be there and just got the whole weekend where you leave the kids behind. I mean, it's supposed to be this wonderful time. All I can think about is this problem that's going on in my life. As we're driving there, God says, I want you to worship me. Trust me, that was not easy. Did not come natural. And as I sat there worshiping, I tried to stretch higher, stand on my tippy toes, and reach higher because I'm telling you, I was surrendering. He was my refuge, my deliverer, and he turned it all around in a way that I would have never thought possible and did some crazy things. And he delivered me in that situation when we worship him. One of my favorite stories, and if you hang out here for any length of time or listen to any of our podcasts, you'll hear this one over and over again because it's my go-to scripture. Because to me, it's the one that shows the heart of God the most. There's many, many stories in the Bible and the ones we read of Jesus and how he interacts with people. And we talked about that you know, a couple of weeks ago, that he wasn't just here to save our sins. He was actually sent to be God with us. That's another great thing. If you, you didn't hear that one, go over and listen to that one as well. But he's here with us, and he's showing us the heart of God. This is my favorite story. It's found in John chapter 8. 
And Jesus is just going to church like normal, and he's teaching everybody, and everybody's crowded in there. It's a great thing. Everyone's so excited about what he's teaching, and we don't even know he's teaching that day because that was trumped by this whole thing that the religious leaders busted through the back door, and they brought this woman, and they threw her down at the feet of Jesus. And they said, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. I believe that they set him up. They're painting this picture and painting Jesus into a corner because it goes on to say that they were trying to, if he says she should be stoned like the law said, then they'll say, see, he's just a murderer like everybody else. And if he says she should be having her sins forgiven, they're going to say, well, you're not even following the laws of Moses. You're not. They're trying to pit Jesus in this corner that he can't win. And you know what Jesus did? He didn't say a word. Jesus was silent. Just like we see in Psalms chapter 4. He isn't moved by all of them. He leans down and he starts writing on the ground. Verse 7 says, but when they persisted in asking him, so they're not letting it go. They're keeping on going, Jesus, what are you going to do? Hey, what do you say? I mean, here she is, and I believe that they, they set this whole situation up, and they arranged for this woman to be caught, and why are they watching? I don't know, but they're, they're doing this stuff. They bring her, and they throw her down, and I believe she's either naked or very, very close to being naked, and it's this whole bit sensational thing, and Jesus isn't moved at all. He's just sitting down there being silent. He writes in the ground. They're not satisfied with him being silent, so they still keep coming against him. Verse 7, when he straightened up, he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Didn't see that one coming. And he kneels down and keeps writing. We don't know what he wrote. I really want to know what he wrote, but we don't know what he wrote. Some people speculate he was writing their sins down the ground. Some people speculate he's writing their mistresses down the ground. It's like Sally, Betty, you know, and then they're like, it says from the oldest to the youngest, they're like, I'm I'm getting out of here. This new, I'm not going to get involved with this. But Jesus was silent. And I believe she was probably in the fetal position down there. She'd seen people stoned to death. There's no way she's getting out of this. Can you imagine having all of your sins and the things where you've fallen short being thrown into church in the middle of a service in front of Jesus? She deserved to die by the law. Verse 9, but when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. I believe she was like in tunnel vision that she couldn't see to the left or the right. She's just scared, thinking she's about to die. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? If you've heard me talk about this before, I believe that she probably jumped when he reached over and touched her. And she now is looking around and 
there's nobody there. And she said, no, Lord, no one. And then he said some of the most amazing words. Why, it's my favorite story in the Bible. Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. Now, on the face, that is wonderful, and that's great, and it's my favorite story. I've already told you that a couple of times, and it's great because Jesus was the only one who really could shake his finger at her, and I believe Jesus was showing his heart for her to say, that's not what it's about. It's about love covering a multitude of sins. We talked about that a few weeks ago as well, but it is about the heart of God. But I want us to look at the words that he used, because both of these said sin, when he talked in verse 7 to the people and wrote on the ground and said, you without sin cast the first stone. I looked at it, but that's not the same word that he used with the woman. That word literally means unerring and faultless. means if you're perfect, you've never made a mistake that you haven't been able, you've lived a perfect life. Now, of course, we know that's not possible. Now, in the context of him writing whatever he was writing, and then he says, you that haven't made a mistake. So if he's writing their mistakes and then saying, he that hasn't made a mistake, boy, I mean, how, how are you going to do that? I mean, if, if he's confronting my sin right then and there, and he's writing my problems here, and it says, if you haven't done this, I mean, clearly I have. But that's not the same word that he talks to the woman. When he says to her in verse 11, go and sin no more, it literally means you missed the mark. Try to hit the mark next time. Let's go back to the bowling analogy. He's saying, hey, you got all this opportunity lined up in front of you. You ended up in the gutter. But he's not saying it even in a judgmental way. He's saying it in a way where he's got his hand extended to her, saying there's a way out. Try and hit the mark. Try doing something different. So as we go into 2018, Jesus said something different to the masses about their sin should prevent them from casting stones at someone else. But when he's talking personally to her, he's talking to her about not missing the mark. What's your mark for 2018? What's the gutter that you could end up in? Imagine Jesus standing beside her now, bowling. As crazy as that thought is. He's like, hey, do it this way. Here's another chance. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, we see another picture painted. So this is the message that we heard from Jesus. And now declare to you that God is light and there's no darkness in him. Now if we say, so we're lying, if we say we have fellowship with God, so I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm living the right life, and we go on to live in spiritual darkness that we have nothing to do with God, then we're lying. And we're not practicing the truth. 
Verse 7, but if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And I pause right there. I love in the middle of this scripture talking about God and Jesus and his words. It says we have fellowship with each other. It's not that I can go and be by myself and just me and Jesus and say, okay, it's all good because, you know, it's just me and us. He says, no, in order to live a successful life for this all to work, I need fellowship with each other. We're better together. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, where will those guys say, hey, look at her problems. We're standing over here. It says, um, you're only fooling yourselves, and you're not living in the truth. Verse 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Because I'm going to suggest to you, when you're reading the one-year Bible, and you're reading today's scriptures, that he's going to start changing your hearts, and you're going to start seeing things that he wants changed. Not things that I'm telling you you got to change. Not that anybody else is telling you what to change. You're going to get that. And like I'm reading Psalm 4, and it says, hey, don't do that. Be quiet. Chapter 2, verse 1, continuation. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that, so that, this is the reason for all of this, so that you will not sin. How in the world is that even possible? But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, and right here is the scripture leading up to Jesus sitting there in that court of law with us when the devil's over here trying to say, they did this, and she did this, and he missed this, and they're such a terrible person, and you're supposed to be quiet. And he's our advocate. And he pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who's truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones or pays for our sins. So you don't have to. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Now this is the same word, sin, that Jesus used when he's talking to the woman. And he says, you missed the mark. So I want us to change and look at that differently and read through using Jesus' words. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so you will not miss the mark. But if anyone does miss the mark, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our missing the mark. And not only our missing the mark, but the whole world missing the mark. So back to me. Ephesians 4 says, verse 26, Be angry. Yet do not sin, or don't miss the mark. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Put that with Psalm chapter 4. In this translation, it says tremble, but it's the same word, anger. When you're angry, don't miss the mark. When you're on your bed, search your heart. Be silent. So another guardrail for me, besides reading the Word and finding these things that God's convicting me of, again, this is, this is all about me and I'm trying to show you something. 
how about if before I go to sleep? How about before you go to sleep? You say, God, search my heart. Did I miss the mark today? See, that's not something that someone next to you can tell you. Hey, you missed the mark, or you did wrong, or you should do this right. This is searching in your heart with God as you're laying there being quiet before you go to sleep. Now, how can we do that? How are we able to then avoid missing the mark? It's guardrails. It's going to be our topic this whole entire month. Next week, we're going to look at a different phase of guardrails. But how do we, how can we hit the mark and do better with bumper guards, that bowling analogy, doing 21 days of prayer. Oh my gosh, this is six o'clock in the morning. Are you kidding me? That's so early. It's so far. It's so, all of these other words, but can I suggest to you, it will change your life. It's not about having people in these seats. It's not about how many people watch online. It's not about any of those. It's about what happens in you. Reading through the one-year Bible and say, okay, today's January the 7th. Let me find out where it is. It's going to take me 15 minutes. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this right now. Let me, yeah, there's, that's putting a bumper guard in my life. And it's like, hey. I'm starting to guard you from some of the things that are going on. It's fasting. You're, you're really not going to eat. I mean, last night at midnight, I had my sweet tea because I'm fasting sugar and meat. And I'm drinking my sweet tea and I'm trying to suck it all down as much as I could. And then they turn to midnight and I gave it to the waitress. I'm like, okay, you can take it now. And I'm like crying. They're making fun of me. They're laughing at me. They're trying to put it in front of me like you want another bite. And I'm like, eh, get away from me. They brought me water, put lemon in it. And, you know, I'm enjoying that too. I never wanted sweet tea more in my life than five minutes after midnight. I'm sitting there going, I really want some sweet tea. Why do I do that to myself? Because I'm putting a bumper guard in. I'm putting a guardrail in that's going to help me hit the mark. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. start off by asking you, how's 2018 going to look different? Last week we looked at if you don't do something different, it's going to look exactly like the previous years. The very best way we could start the year, the very best way we can start putting bumper guards in, we can live in guardrails, the very, very best first one is to actually have a relationship with Jesus. We saw that he's our advocate, but I'm going to suggest to you that if he's not your Lord, if you haven't surrendered your life to him, then you are defending yourself when you don't have to. So if that's you this morning and you say, man, today's my day. Maybe you've never accepted Christ or maybe you once knew Christ and you walked away from him and you'd say, if I'm truthful with you, I'm far from God. Maybe you're saying, I'm not even sure about all this stuff yet. I'm still just checking it out. That's perfectly fine too. But if you want today to be your day, you want to say, count me in. 
I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm just going to help you with the words. But it's all about you and a personal relationship with our God, with Jesus who wants to be your advocate. If that's you, between you and God, I don't, I'm not going to call you up front. We're not going to say anything out loud. Personally, just say this word. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place, to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you trying to do it on my own. Jesus, please forgive me. Here's the big one. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. The best way I know how. I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today I give you my life. The second part of the prayer that I want to pray over you is for your year for 2018. And I really do encourage you to fill out those prayer requests, forms, and your, what you're looking for and seal them up in that thing and let us pray over them for the next 21 days. And then all year long, trust God with your future. Trust God with being your advocate. And make 2018 different by hitting the mark. God, I pray over everyone in the sound of my voice, the people that are here in this room with me, the people watching online, the people who are going to listen to the podcast, the ones who are going to watch the video, no matter how they're getting this, Lord, I ask that they all be challenged like I am challenged to set up guardrails, bumper guards in our lives to help us to hit the mark. Lord, when we've missed the mark, and when we miss the mark again, that we continue to work on putting up those guardrails, those bumper guards, to keep hitting the mark, to do better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.